Today, if you have a Bible, and we're going to be in Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 14 is where we're going. Uh, we're starting a brand new series today uh, called Don't, Don't Miss This, and um, it really has absolutely nothing to do with anything, um, other than a few months ago, somebody said, you should do a series on all the things you say all the time, and I'm not really sure if this is what they meant, um, but this is where we are, and this is how we're kicking off 2021, and so it's probably like some random messages, some things that like didn't fit into like whole series is, um, and things like that. Um, but it should be cool, and we should we should have fun. Um, let me start off today like this. Let's, let me get us um, let, let me get us all on common ground. All right, a good place to to start the new year, like all together. Um, so let's let's talk about a subject that all of us probably know really, really, really well: dessert. <laughs> um, last week I was on vacation with my family. Um, now my favorite part of vacation is food. And I, who am I kidding? My favorite part of life is food. <laughs> like, you, you know that, right? Um, anyway, we went to this restaurant, Lone Star Steakhouse. Um, you ever been to one? Um, they're all over the place. They have great, great, great steaks at Lone Star. Um, and on this particular night, we had amazing food. The appetizers were great. The steaks, I'm telling you, were absolutely amazing. And we ate ourselves to absolute misery. I mean, just seriously, like, we got to the point where we all agreed, I can't take another bite. Like, oh, I'm going to die. And then, then the waiter came. And the waiter came by. And what did the waiter ask us? Got room for dessert, right? Now, listen, you all understand. In that moment, you are faced with a night-altering decision, right? Temporary bliss or like a night of food coma misery. Now, before we could even say no, true story, before we could even speak, this guy goes, we have a chocolate stampede. It is six different types of chocolates in peaks and layers and served with vanilla bean ice cream. Without even thinking, I said that and four spoons. Like, just bring that and four spoons. He brought this thing out. It was absolutely magical. The kids weren't super excited about having it. Like, we didn't stage that picture. They're just like, are you kidding me right now, Dad? But we demolished that thing because we're not quitters. And it was, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Like that photo there doesn't do it real justice, but I needed you to see the picture of the kids. Um, the stock photo, if you go to like longhorn.com and look at it, it is just like, it is like, the thing is crazy, crazy. But here's the thing. Every day for the rest of our trip, every day we had to drive past Longhorn to get to wherever we needed to go. Um, so we, we drove past it every single day. And every day I thought back to that chocolate stampede and how great it was, even though there was some misery involved, how great it was in that moment to share that dessert with my family. Now, I know what you're thinking. Ryan, the heck does this have to do with God or Jesus or church or religion or whatever? I'm glad you asked because just like I enjoyed coming around the table for dessert with my family, I, I want that to be how incredible our church experience is. And, and not only that, I want this to be a place that when you have an encounter with Jesus, it's something that you remember for the rest of your life and it inspires you and it pushes you and it causes you to have a desire to want to take your next steps, to want to truly go all in and follow him with every ounce of your being. I want this, I, I know I say this a lot, but I really want us this year to create an environment where the unchurched and the de-churched love to attend. 
Hashtag that, tweet that, TikTok that, snap face that, whatever you got to do so that you don't miss that. I want us together in 2021 to create an environment that the unchurched and the de-churched love to attend. In other words, we are really going to be a church for messy people. And we're going to be a church for people who are spiritually sick and want to get well. Now, somebody asked me this a while back when I said something similar to that. They said, well, can, can, can healthy people come too? Well, there's a problem with that. Actually, there's a couple problems with that. Number one, nobody is really healthy. There's not. We're all born in this condition called sin. Every one of us is born sinful. See, the, the church world has pretty much created a situation, an environment where somebody with, let's say, stage one cancer can look at somebody with stage four cancer and go, you got a problem. You're just, you, you need to get away from me. When we've all got the same problem, every one of us is sinful. Every one of us is born into sin. The second problem if 2020 exposed anything to us, it's that if, if you're a truly healthy person, healthy people don't want to be around sick people because sick people are contagious, right? And, and, and they don't want to get sick. And so, and so we're going to continue creating an environment where the unchurched and the de-churched love to attend. You know why? Because in doing so, we believe that we will experience the presence of God in such a powerful way. And we believe that in his way, and in his time, he will change us from who we are to who we need to be. Because in case you didn't know, listen, Jesus changes people. It's Jesus. It's not Pastor Ryan. It's not the church. It's not the leadership. Jesus changes people. And sometimes he changes people in five days. Sometimes he changes people in five weeks. Sometimes he changes people in five months. Sometimes he changes people in five years. And you know what? However he wants to do it, that's going to be awesome with us. We just want to see people experience the presence of God on a consistent basis, and we want to see Jesus take that person, and, and again, in his time, and in his ways, take them from who they are to who he wants them to be. I just want us together to create an environment where that can happen. Now, I got this idea from Matthew chapter 14. In Matthew chapter 14, there's a miracle, um, and it's, it's such a powerful miracle, and it's so huge that all four gospel writers record it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all write about this miracle. Um, and, and today, though, we're only going to look at Matthew, and there's, there's, no, there's absolutely no spiritual significance as to why we're using Matthew other than it's the one that I read, and the sermon just popped out to me while I was reading that. So Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 starts out like this. When Jesus heard what had happened, now real quick, what had happened was, was that John the Baptist, his cousin, had been killed. You see that in the first 12 verses. You read through the first 12 verses, you'll, you'll see the, the death of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had his head cut off. He had been murdered. See, one of the things, one of the things about Jesus that we forget sometimes is Jesus is fully God and fully man. We get the fully God part, all right? We understand that because we read about the miracles. We see he walked on water. He turned water to wine. He's healing people. He's bringing the dead back to life. We get all of that. We don't get the fully man part sometimes. The fully man part of him, especially here in this text, he's experiencing some grief. He, he's kind of hurting a little bit. He's upset. This is a difficult time for Jesus. And the Bible tells us when Jesus had heard what happened, when he had heard about the death of his cousin, that he was murdered, it says he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now, let me ask this question. 
You ever wanted to get away? You ever wanted to just get out of town? I mean, I'm just wondering how many moms would be honest enough with me right now. And how many, like, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but how many of you, you said, I don't know, you said you had to go to the grocery store, but you didn't go to the grocery store. You just got in your car and drove around for an hour because you just wanted to listen to some music because you just had to get away from your screaming kids. Listen, I'm not giving you any ideas to do anything today. I'm just, I'm just saying there have been times where we need to get away, right? Well, that's what Jesus is doing right here. Jesus needed to get away. And, and, and I believe it's because he, he's kind of having to work through um, this thing that had just happened to his cousin, John the Baptist. Watch this. It says, hearing of this, this is huge. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from towns. Now, now let me tell you again why this can create a stressful situation. Because I think we all agree, I think we all could say again, that we know what it's like when we want to get away, but people won't let us get away, right? Like, we've talked about this before. You're a mom, you're a dad, you go into the bathroom, you shut the door. You don't really have to go to the bathroom. You just go to the bathroom to be alone. But before you know it, here comes some little hand underneath the door. What you doing in there? I just want to be alone, right? You're, like, stressed out, like you've had enough, like just cow gone, take me away, right? That's what you want. The reason this is so stressful for Jesus is because the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus is, is surrounded by hills, it's surrounded by mountains. And so Jesus is sailing, he's in the boat, he's trying to get away, people can see where he's going, and the Bible tells us the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Now, when we read this, we look at this, and and our mind just takes us to, to little numbers, right? We're thinking, 10, 15, 20 people, maybe 100 people, you know, but, but that's not the crowd that's following them. It's around 15 to 20,000 people. That's a lot of people, yes or no? Yeah, 15 to 20,000 people trying to get near Jesus. We'll see that in a little while. But can you imagine being on this boat? Jesus is on the boat, and he's trying to get away from the crowds. And as he looks, and as the the disciples look, they see the hills and the mountains. They're just crawling with people trying to get near him. He's trying to get far away, and there are thousands of people trying to get super close to him. This is fascinating to me, the picture of this, of just people just crawling through the hills trying to get close to Jesus. And then verse 14 says this. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know if this verse were about me, it would not have said, Ryan had compassion. It would have said, Ryan went off. Like, Ryan lost his dang mind and told them they were all crazy and they needed to go home. But Jesus, like, like he he is grieving. This week, I went through a, a time of grieving. All right, my, my dog, we had to put our dog down, and it, and it was rough, and I came in here and let John know, like, hey, intercept everything, man. Don't let nobody bother me. There's a big sign on my door that says, do not disturb. Like, I didn't, I didn't, want, I didn't want nothing. I wasn't going to be compassionate to anybody, but Jesus, in the midst of his grieving, sees a crowd, and he has compassion on them, and he heals their sick. Now, here's a question that I've really never really thought about I guess until last week why were these people trying to get close to Jesus like why were they really trying to get close to Jesus and and I got my answer this past week in a weird way Um, again this past week on vacation we were in Branson 
And there are tons of great places to eat in Branson. And so again, um, because my life revolves around food, I want to eat at the best places. Now, there are a few ways that you can determine what are the best places to eat. Um, one, of, one of the easiest ways, um, it's maybe in the most uncomfortable way, but one of the best ways is to ask a local, what's your favorite place to eat? And they'll, they'll tell you somewhere that's like off the beaten path, and you go to those places, they're always phenomenal. Um, but another way that you can tell a place has good food is by the, the number of cars in the parking lot, right? I mean, a full parking lot means the place probably has great food. That, that's true most of the time. Hashtag life hack, all right? Just, just so you got that. Anyway, one day we were driving by a place called Shoney's. You, you ever been to one of those? You ever been to one of those? How many ever been to one of those? They're not great. Like, they're not. It's like a, if you've never been there before, it's like an IHOP or a Denny's or something like that. That is not a vacation destination restaurant. It, it's just not. It's, that's not one of the places where you're on vacation. Oh, my gosh, it's Shoney's. We have to go to Shoney's. I can't wait to go to Shoney's. You, you just can't. Longhorn, you, you, you go by one of those, stop in and eat. You, you're not going to be disappointed. Shoney's, you're going to be like, eh, well, I don't know, whatever. Well, on this particular day, the parking lot was packed, and people were lined up outside. I was like, what the heck is happening? It's like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the evening. I'm like, this isn't prime breakfast time, and it's Shoney's. Like, why are there so many people at Shoney's? And so I Googled it, and I found out on that night, if you were 60 or older, you got a free pancake meal at Shoney's. It was like COVID relief thing or something like that. And so older people, 60 and older, decided, hey, it's worth my time, worth an hour of my time for an $8 pancake special or however much it costs. I don't know. And so people went. Now, here's my question. Why did people go to the Shoney's that night? Was it because of the quality of their food? <laughs> no. Was it because they had the conviction of, hey, Martha, we need to eat more less meat, and so let's go have some pancakes tonight? <laughs> no. Why did they go to Shoney's in droves that night? Because it was free, right? Because they got something for free, because they wanted something, and Shoney's had it for free. Now, that's really important that you take that mindset into this text, because think about this. Why were these people following Jesus? Why were they following Jesus? Are they following Jesus because they want to pursue holiness? Most likely, no. Are they following Jesus because they want to put Jesus out in the middle of the field somewhere and sing worship songs to him for the next three hours? Probably not. Did, did, they, did they have their quiet time that morning? Do they have their cross necklaces and fish tattooed on their ankles? No. Why are they pursuing Jesus? Why are they running after Jesus? Because they wanted something from him, right? They had sick people that they wanted to get healed. And don't miss this. Don't miss this because this is huge in this text. When the sick people ran after Jesus and they wanted to get healed, he showed up. He didn't go off on them. He had compassion on them. That's absolutely mind-blowing to me, that he wanted to get away, that he's in a state of grieving. He wanted to be by himself, and all these people show up, and instead of going, ah, he had compassion. And the reason I'm saying that, and the reason I think this is so huge is because a lot of people today will say, well, people show up at church for the wrong reasons. Well, well people... People follow Jesus for the wrong reasons, too. But when the people in this text did, he didn't criticize them for it. He didn't run them off. He was just glad that they were there. In fact, the next verse says this. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. Now, now think about this for a second. 
The disciples are probably a little disappointed right here because they thought, man, we're going to get away with Jesus and and we're going to hang out with Jesus and we're going to eat with Jesus and we're going to sit and we're going to talk and he's going to tell us some stuff and he's going to tell us some stories and we're going to grow and it's going to be awesome. Like they thought they were going to be alone with Jesus. It was just going to be Jesus and them. They were going to have some personal time with Jesus. But that's not what happens in this story. All of these sick people show up and ruin it. All of these sick people come. Sick people, people who are sick, people who are considered unclean. Those are people who couldn't go to the temple. Now, they're, they're, they're going to stand before the Holy One. These people show up, and Jesus is talking to them, and he's healing them. And so most likely, the disciples are a little upset, and they're like, hey, this is a remote place. In other words, hey, Jesus, this is our place. Like, like we came in, like this is the place we come to hang. This is the place where we're at, where it's just us and us alone, nobody else. Like, we come here to focus on us. And, and, and look at this. They say it's a remote place, and it's already getting late. I mean, Jesus, you've been preaching for four hours, so we're going to need you to wind this thing down. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. In other words, the disciples had the wrong idea here of what discipleship was. They thought discipleship was getting alone with Jesus and spending as much time alone with Jesus as possible. And so because of that, they wanted to send the crowds away. And that, that's what becomes dangerous about church culture in general. I think, I think we have the wrong idea about discipleship. We think discipleship is how much time we can spend with Jesus. And because we define discipleship only in that category, we wind up sending people away that actually need the touch of Jesus, just like the sick people in this story. Like, I love it when, when, when people show up to church and they don't know the religious rules. Like, I, I, just, I just do. Uh, I, I've probably shared this story before, um, but it's worth hearing again. Um, years ago, I remember being in the foyer and um, this dude was in the foyer, and, and he saw him. Was, we were like 20 feet away. He made eye contact with me, and he had this funny smile on his face. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to come and talk to me. And um, he walked up to me, and there, there are some other people around me. And this is what he said, true story. He said, Pastor, first time I've been to church in like 10 years. That was a great effing sermon, except for he said the actual word, in church. Now, I had never been told that before ever as soon as he said that like the people that were around me they just stopped and they looked and 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 he didn't know he just had this really goofy grin on his face and everybody's waiting to see what i did and and so i like grabbed his hand and i pulled him in did a little quick man hug and i was like thanks man and he walked away and i remember somebody coming up to me and he said he cussed he cussed like he was mad because that guy cussed and i'm like no 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 Listen, dude, you're missing the point. He's in church. He's here. He's in church. I don't care if he dropped the F-bomb. He's in church. And I want Jesus to change his heart more than I want us to change his language. Let me say that again because that was effing good. I want Jesus to change his heart more than I want us to change his language. Right? That should be our desire. We should want to see Jesus change someone's heart more than we want to change their behavior. Right? Like, I, I remember people showing up at church and people saying, do you see how she's dressed? I mean, do you see? Look at her. Do you see how she's dressed? Time out. Number one, she's dressed. 
That's a win, right? She got on some clothes. Number two, let's celebrate the fact that she's at church. And instead of focusing on her wardrobe, let's talk about what Jesus might want to do in her heart. Instead of sending her away, let's see how we can maybe step up and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Just a thought. The story goes on. I, I love Jesus. I don't know if you've ever read his stuff, but he's really awesome. I love it. I, and some of his responses are just great. Look at verse 16. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And Jesus is, is like, hey, if you're looking for an opportunity of discipleship, I'm going to show you an opportunity of discipleship. See, don't miss this. The disciples are looking for a chance to get closer to Jesus. And they think it's, let's get a circle, let's kind of focus on one another, and let's sing, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya, or whatever, I don't know. And Jesus is like, no, no, there's an opportunity here. But the opportunity for you is not to send them away. The opportunity is actually for you. Jesus says, you, 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 you. It's for you to step up and do something. It's up to you to step up and you feed them. That was a problem with that. Then the disciples bring this up. And, and that's a good point. Verse 17. They say, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Like, like Jesus, this is all we got. This, this is it. We, we, got, we got some loaves of bread and we got two fish. And there are thousands of people. What are we going to feed them? Now, for the longest time, I thought that these were like huge fish. But, but honestly, it wouldn't have mattered if these were whales. They could not have fed 15 to 20,000 people, right? And so, I don't know, there's debates and people, you can read all kinds of stuff about how big the loaves of bread were and how big the fish were. I don't know. All I know is right here in this text, the disciples say, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. In other words, hey, Jesus, do we got some stuff? It ain't very much, and there ain't no way we, we can use it to do what you want us to do. But don't, because their plan, like, this is so prevalent in, in today's society. Their plan initially was to take the five loaves and the two fish and get alone with Jesus and split it only amongst themselves. And, and, and let me ask you this. How far do five loaves and two fish go amongst 13 people? You got 12 disciples and Jesus. So 13 men. Right? If it would have been 13 women, maybe it's got a shot because I've seen how some of you eat. Put a little bit on the crackers. I don't, I don't know. But listen, at the end of the day, at the most, the disciples and Jesus, they get a small snack, right? I mean, it's five loaves of bread and it's two fish. It's, they, they get a little bit. And everybody else goes away and, and the sick people go away starving. How many environments has the church created where people get together in small groups and have small snacks, and then ignore the spiritually starving people in the world, all in the name of discipleship. And Jesus right here says, no, 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 we're going to define, we're going to redefine discipleship right here, right now. Like right now, in this moment, I'm going to show you what discipleship really is. And, and look what he does. He says, you, you, give them something to eat. They respond, we don't really have anything. This is all we got, Jesus, five loaves and, and, and two fish. But watch this, verse 18, Jesus says this, Bring them here to me. I, I love, 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 love how bold and audacious this is. Bring them here to me, he said. Let me, let me kind of set this up like this. Think about it like this. In football, 
Um, the college football championships are set. You got Alabama and Ohio State is horrible. Nobody's going to watch it. Um, <laughs> NFL playoffs getting ready to start today or, or to determine who's going to play today, right? They start next week. In, in football, right? They use a football illustration. We all understand you want to get the hand, the ball in the hands of a playmaker, right? Like, I'm not a Chiefs fan at all, all right? I'm not. But when Mahomes gets the ball, you have a chance, right? If you're, you're losing and, and Mahomes has the ball, like, you've got a shot because that dude is a playmaker. Love him or hate him, you got to admit, dude is a playmaker. He makes things happen. Whoever it is on your team, you know on your team, on your favorite team, you know who the playmaker is. You understand. You get the ball in the hands of a playmaker, you have a better opportunity to win the game. Yes or no? Yes. See, Jesus is like the ultimate playmaker. And here's what Jesus did. Don't, don't miss this. Jesus didn't say, well, you don't have enough. I don't know what we're going to do. Jesus said, uh, bring it here, boys. Put it in my hands. I, I know what you got. Doesn't seem like it's enough, but put it in my hands. And don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. Jesus is showing the disciples that discipleship isn't necessarily about circling up. Discipleship includes an element called giving. Everybody got nervous, right? Here we go. He's going to talk about money. But your person, this is not a money sermon, all right? Just, just hold on. Because listen, watch this. Jesus didn't say, well, give me three loaves and one fish. Jesus said, hey, take all you got. Trust me. Take everything that you got. Go all in. Give it all to me. Take what you've got and put it in my hands. See, th- this is where some people say, well, you know, we just need to focus on educating more people on the Bible. Well, well, that's a good start. But knowledge doesn't equal spiritual maturity. It just, it just doesn't. It doesn't. I, listen, I'm all for Bible study. I study the Bible every single day, right? Don't, don't leave out of here and say, Ryan, don't study the Bible. I've never said that, and I never will say that. Study the Bible. But you need to understand, knowledge doesn't equal spiritual maturity. Because if knowledge equaled spiritual maturity, then Satan is the most spiritually mature being on the planet. Because he knows more than anybody. Nobody knows more than him. But true knowledge, true knowledge translates to activity. And one of the activities that Jesus wants his followers to do is to be willing to give. Especially when there's a clear need. Now let me just pause and say this. I'll throw some money stuff in here. I I do want to say thank you. Thank you to those who financially give to Central Church. Because of the way that you're giving, we're able to create an environment where the unchurched and de-churched love to attend. And giving is going really well right now. So just want to throw that in there, and I'll move on. Jesus says this, bring them here to me. And then it goes on to verse 19. He directed the people to sit down on the grass. Now, to me, that's one of his biggest miracles right there. You get fifteen to 20,000 adults to sit down, that's a miracle in and of itself. But anyway, they sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Watch this. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. So the second mark of a disciple, not only will the disciple give, but a disciple will serve. Think about this. Jesus didn't make it rain down manna. And and he could have, right? And and that would have been cool. Like in the Old Testament, it kind of rained down bread from heaven. They woke up in the morning, there was bread all over the ground, and they ate, and they had enough for the day. He didn't do that. He gave the food to the disciples, 
and the disciples serve the people. The disciples. So don't miss this. The people who wanted to send them away wound up being the people that serve them. I think that's huge. And I think, I think we, I think all of us, I think we would see an incredible change in our world today if Christians would actually learn to serve the people that we've habitually slandered for years. Let me say that again. I think we would see an incredible change in the world if Christians, us, those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, if we would learn how to serve the people that for years we have talked bad about, that we have said those people, the people that we have ran from, if we would learn to serve those people. Because see, while the disciples said we need to send them away, Jesus said, no, uh uh-uh, you need to give and you need to serve. And when you do that, I'm going to make a difference. Now, see, here's the real cool thing about Jesus. You just can't outgive him. You, you can't. can't outdo him. You can't outgive him. Because look at this, verse 20. Verse 20 says, they all ate. They all ate. How many of them ate? All. They all ate and were satisfied. Now, quick question. And this is not a trick question. This is an easy softball question. This is a yes or no question. If 12 disciples and Jesus would have eaten five loaves and two fish, would they have been satisfied, yes or no? No, absolutely not. But because they took what they had and they put it in the hands of Jesus, because they were willing to serve, even though they didn't understand how this was happening, the Bible says everyone ate and was satisfied. And then, and then look at this. And the disciples, they're, like they're still serving here, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So they gave five loaves of bread and two fish. Let me ask you this question. Again, simple question. Did they give back more than they gave, yes or no? Yes. Now, now, now stop, 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 stop. I'm, I'm not going health and wealth here, all right? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. I'm not saying if you give God $100, brother, he will give you a brand new Hellcat. Now, if that happens, let me know, because I'd love to throw $100 your way. Like, seriously. Like, that has never happened to me. I've never written a check for $100, and a new Hellcat is in my driveway. Um, that doesn't happen. Um, but, but I am telling you, I will tell you, that you cannot outgive God. I, I, I will tell you that when you give and when you serve, God will bless you in ways that you cannot comprehend. Sometimes it's it's financial, sometimes it's spiritual, sometimes it's relational. I don't know. I, I, I just know you cannot, you cannot outgive God because the disciples gave what they had and they each got back a basket full, a basket full. When you go to the buffet and you eat yourself to, to I can't eat another bite, when you get to that, that point and they give you a doggy bag, that's pretty incredible because normally when you go to buffets, they tell you you can't fix a plate and take it home. Or so I've heard. I don't really know. Verse 21. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and children. Again, this is about fifteen to 20,000 people. And they were all fed because Jesus redefined discipleship. And he didn't redefine it as, let's focus on each other and to hell with the rest of the world. No, 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 no. He said, let's go and serve. Let's give and let's serve to those who are so desperate that they run to this place. Now, a couple of quick points I want to make about this, and I'm done. Number one, I don't know who you are, what you've done, or what's going on in your life, but you need to know Jesus will never turn you away. Jesus 
will never, ever, ever turn you away. And you say, I'm, people have done, I, I know, people are idiots. A churches have, I, I know, churches do stupid things. But Jesus will never, ever, ever turn you away. He just, he just doesn't turn people away. The second thing is, this, this passage has really caused me to reflect on, on what's going on here at Central Church. And, and where do I really want to see us go this year? Um, I wrote this down last week, and, and this is, I'll read this in a second, but, but this, is, um, this is what we're going to be about and, and why it matters, and, and I think why it should matter to every one of us as individuals. Um, this is our why, if you will, of 2021. Central Church will be a church where it's clear that you are our why. Central Church um, will be a church where no matter who you are, or where you've been, or what you've done, or what's been done to you, or when it happened, you are welcomed. Central will be a church where confession does not lead to exclusion. Central will be a church where hurt people can find healing and the hopeless can find a reason for living. Central will be a church where despite our shortcomings, we experience the presence of God in such a way that we know that he is real and his love is unconditional. Central will be a church where everyone understands the ground is level at the foot of the cross and we understand that grace is not just for the lost but also for those who have been found and have fallen. Central will be a church where you don't have to believe what we believe to belong to our community. Central will be a church where our weapon of choice is not a bullhorn we scream into, but rather a serving towel we place over our arms. What happens with a church like this? In a church like this, lost people start getting found, and found people start getting grown up. In a church like this, the excluded start getting included, and the poor start getting served. In a church like this, the hopeless find joy, and the weak become strong. In a church like this, the gates of hell get pushed back a little further in our community, and God gets the glory for it all. No. We will not just be another church. We will be a church where messy people can show up and Jesus changes them in his time. We will be a church where change takes place and purpose comes alive. Let's pray.